Hello and welcome to our podcast once again. Thank you, Lex. So let's get the ball rolling. Yes, okay, so today we're going to be doing Stupid Laws, the American edition, and only states that begin with the letter W. Ooh, okay. In Wyoming, it is illegal to ski while intoxicated, so you better leave the dope next time you hit the slope. In Washington, you can be persecuted for killing Bigfoot, but laws don't apply to any types of yeti. In West Virginia, intercourse before marriage was still a punishable act by law until 2010. Luckily, my co-host here wouldn't have been affected. Hmm, funny. (laughs) Today, we're going to be looking at the Children's Act, a book published in 2014 by acclaimed English author Ian McEwan. Ian (laughs) McEwan. Which is well known for books such as Atonement, Enduring Love and Amsterdam. The novel was later turned into a movie starring Emma Thompson, Fionn Whitehead, and my favourite bald-headed man. Eat your heart out, Prince William. Stanley Tucky. Tucci. <laughs> He's my favourite, but I don't know his name. Before we start discussing the novel in more depth, just as a warning, we have tried to make this conversation as spoiler-free as possible. However, there are a couple of minor details we need in order to talk about the cases that might seem as giving away some parts of the novel. It's a tiny part. Just a little if you haven't read the book, you can still listen, but go home and immediately read the book. Immediately. It's Come a perfect on. blend of law research and literature. Yeah. The title is a reference to the Children's Act of 1989, a UK Act of Parliament, which allocates duties to local authorities, courts, parents and other agencies in the United Kingdom to ensure children are safeguarded and their welfare is promoted. It centres on the idea that children are best cared for within their own families. However, It also makes provisions for instances where parents and families do not cooperate with statutory bodies. The novel follows Fiona, a High Court judge in London, presiding. Presiding! Presiding! The fact that we're illiterate. Over cases in family court. She's fiercely intelligent, well-respected and deeply immersed in the nuances of her particular field of law. Often the outcome of a case seems simple from the outside, the course of action to ensure a child's welfare obvious. But the law requires more rigour than mere pragmatism. And Fiona is an expert in considering the sensitivities of culture and religion when handing her down her verdict. Go Fiona. But Fiona's professional success <laughs> comes with domestic strife. Her husband, Jack, asks her to consider an open marriage and after an argument, moves out of their house. That's kind of the most spoilery <laughs> thing we give. His departure leaves her drift, wondering whether it was not love she had lost so much as a modern form of respectability. Whether it was not contempt and ostracism she really fears. She decides to throw herself into her work, especially a complex case involving a 17-year-old boy whose parents will not permit a life-saving blood transfusion because it conflicts with the beliefs of Jehovah's Witnesses. The case doesn't have many details and is fictionalised, but roughly follows this outline. Adam is, a 17, is 17 years old and, and nine months <laughs> and is suffering from leukaemia. His parents are both members of the religion Jehovah's Witnesses, a strand of Christianity. Adam needs a blood transfusion to live, but this is against their religion and their church. As Adam is still legally a minor, despite those couple of months he has left, um, the hospital is able to go to court to request permission to give the transfusion against Adam's parents for approval. As Adam is so close to the age of consent, however, and continues and has the same religious beliefs as his parents, mm-hmm. the case becomes more complicated. 
First, let's look at, take a look at Jehovah's Witnesses. The branch of Christianity has over 8 million members as of today, including famous examples such as the artist previously known as Prince. Mm. A few of their religious beliefs that differ from the Church of England are that they do not observe holidays they believe to have pagan origins, such as Christmas, Easter or birthdays. They do not salute the national flag or sing the national anthem, and they refuse military service. And most importantly to the case, they believe that the soul is held in the blood. Therefore, a transfusion is the contamination of the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, although this case is fiction, um, it is based on a true story with one very similar circumstances. Um, follows the, and it follows the true tale of the court R.E.E., a minor, wardship medical treatment in 1993, where a High Court judge had to make the determination on the issue of whether a life-saving treatment should be provided to a critically ill child who, unlike Adam, aged 17, was 15 years old at the time and whose parents refused to allow him to have a blood transfusion because of their religious beliefs. The child was diagnosed with a very aggressive leukaemia and undertook a strong chemotherapy treatment. The chemotherapy meant that a blood transfusion was necessary. The family followed the Jehovah's Witness faith and therefore did not consent to the critical need, uh, to the critically needed blood transfusion. The judge in the case felt that legal arguments alone were not enough to settle the matter and went so far as to visit the child in the hospital and speak to them in respect of the case. Similarly to the fictional Fiona, the judge on the case's findings were that the welfare of the child, when viewed objectively, compels me to only one conclusion, and that is that the hospital should be at liberty to treat him with the administration of those further drugs and consequently with the administration of blood and blood products. The child's family and also the wider religious order decided not to appeal against the decision as he saw that the judge had carefully considered the issues in the case. Lily, do you know what time it is? I think I know what time is it. It's time to put our wigs on and decide what we would do in this situation. Well, this case conflicts me. On one hand, I understand the protection of children and how times parents act selfishly and put their own needs before their children and often act irrationally. In this way, any judge would choose to have the child's health prioritised over any other factor. However, we have to weigh out the consequences for the child, Adam, in this case, his reliance and belief in the church was an important part of his life, and by having the transfusion against his will, he was ostracised, maybe not literally, but in his own head. He no longer belonged there and had to find solitude elsewhere. It severed his relationship with his family and his beliefs. Furthermore, he was months away from consenting age, and at a point where he was old enough to make his own decisions. I like your point, Lily. However, as children, we, have to sometime, we, we can sometimes be parrots to our parents' beliefs without having fully understood the complex situation or understood how our, our own standpoint in it. Um, in this scenario, the boy could simply be regurgitating what his family and close circle have been drilling into him for so long, and the pressure of not wanting to beg from the family's orthodoxy could be dictating his decision, rather than logic. Here, the court should intervene in looking out for the best interest of the child, however close to legality he may be. If we're not old enough to be tr- uh, tried as an adult mm. to buy alcohol, uh, to vote... Join mm. the army. Um, <laughs> true. What makes a child uh, old enough to, in other words, be the cause of his own death by rejecting treatment? Um, you, you have to agree that even at 17, we can be quite naive. That's true. And easily swayed by others. So the state should be there to protect us from ourselves. So what do you guys think? Do you have a different point? Mm. Let us know. (laughs) 
in the legal news of this week, Kim Kardashian has graced us with her <laughs> has graced her over 120 million Instagram followers with an obviously staged photo of her revising law in a bikini poolside, giving a new meaning to legal cheek. I look that good. <laughs> well, we will be applying wherever <laughs> she's going. <laughs> Bye, Anne. Thank you.